Hello and welcome to the LSAT Demon Daily. My name is Eric. I am a teacher with LSAT Demon. And joining me today is LSAT Demon student Keon Sorabi. Keon, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for joining. Keon, you were, I guess, now a former LSAT Demon student uh, who improved your score and ended with a, what, 177 on the official test? Amazing. Maybe you can introduce yourself briefly and talk about your LSAT journey. Yeah. So, uh, hey, I'm Keon, and uh, I, uh, I took my first practice LSAT about four years ago now. It was uh, the end of spring of my freshman year of college, and I was just up late one night. I took a practice LSAT, got a 153, and I felt good about it, like mildly above average. Um, and then I dabbled with, you know, trying to study with the LSAT a couple times. I I took the practice test on Khan Academy, tried, you know, learning from that practice test during COVID. I tried studying with them once or twice, tried studying with Kaplan once, and uh, I gave it a shot. But, you know, I was always kind of still working on my undergrad, so I wasn't really focused on the LSAT. And then uh, last summer, um, I started to, you know, mentally kind of start to lock in for the LSAT as I decided or was coming to the decision that law school looks like a path I want to be on. And uh, yeah, I I just listened to the LSAT Demon Daily and the Thinking LSAT podcast for like two months. And I didn't, I barely practiced any questions. I, I, I didn't even take another practice test. I just last summer, um, I was, I was working abroad. I was working in Warsaw, Poland. So I was just kind of hanging out by myself a lot, just working out and getting some work done. So I listened to the podcast and the Demon Daily and uh, just kind of spent some time, you know, learning about it. Then I showed up uh, back to school in like September and I took a practice test again, scored a 167. I was really happy with that. Um, probably a little bit in the upper end of my range at the time, but, you know, just kind of stayed on it, kept pushing, kept, you know, doing time sections, working on things, getting better. And then slowly by the end of the fall, um, I was kind of around a low 170s. Um, and then I just kept working on it and I was averaging a 177 on my last five exams, going last five practice exams going into the February LSAT. I was planning on taking it two or three times, probably February, April, maybe taking it again in like, you know, June or June or whatever. Um, but I ended up getting a 177 in February. So I felt really good with that. Um, I didn't feel like I needed to fight for, you know, an extra point or two. Um, I was really happy. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I hope I got greedy enough, but uh, yeah, we'll see. So I'm happy with the 177. As you should be. I'd say that's greedy enough. You're above the medians at every single school, probably above everyone's 75th percentiles as well. 177. You could get greedy. Yeah, I'm above all 75th percentiles except for Yale. I don't those those guys are crazy, but <laughs> major respect to them. Yeah, seriously. So over some period of time, kind of in a regular schedule, you took some breaks, you came back to it. Yeah, I'd say through September, like September through December, I was studying like consistently few, uh, an hour or two a day, 10 to 20 hours a week. Um, just yeah, keeping it consistent over time. And then Perfect. I took some time off in January, got back to it. Same thing. Uh, did it for another month or two. Um, and I thought I'd have to keep going, but I, uh, but I was done in February, which was nice. Yeah, you're one of those unicorns that scored almost perfectly the first time you took the test. I was not like that. I needed to take it a couple times. I think most of the other demon teachers had to take it a couple times. Props to you. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I mean, that's, I mean, it's, I, I really like, I just, I genuinely believe that I had to take it multiple times because it's just, you know, like odds, like you're probably going to get a, you know, it's like 50, 50, you get a score before below your, 
average. And I got one like right in the middle of it. And I took, you know, I took the ACT like three times in high school. And each time I got like just one point higher. And so I was like biting, scraping for points um, back then. And I kind of like I, I expected it to be something similar where, you know, you get good scores, but just trying to get that one great one. But hey, fortunately, the, you know, the cards fell in a nice, in a nice spot for me. Because you figured that you would be taking the test multiple times anyways, did that bring you some amount of calm or were you relaxed on the official test because you just assumed it wasn't the one time? I think, I think it brought me a lot more focus, which I didn't mean to, um, you know, you're, you're always going to feel those like nerves and that anxiety going into an exam. But I remember like, I remember listening to the pre, uh, there was a LSAT demon pre-test like pump up. I was like a yeah. day or two before and God, I mean, I, I mean, I wish I could remember who was saying it, but, um, that like, that really helped me relax and have the right mentality about it. Uh, I think the Super Bowl was on around that time or was coming up. And um, one of the teachers was talking about swagger and about having swagger. And, um, and he was talking about athletes, you know, like a top level basketball player, somebody who runs track going into the meet, they're going to have that swagger. Also, at the same time, I was trying to get that Ben and Nathan, uh, like be a killer, be a killer. I was trying to, I was like, okay, I, I am scoring well. I need to, you know, adopt that high, like more intense high level mentality. Um, and the swagger thing was like really speaking to me because Patrick Mahomes was getting into his third Super Bowl. And, you know, you, you always have that feeling like the first time going into something that like there's so many things that can happen. And, you know, Mahomes won his first Super Bowl as a young guy and kind of inexperienced, never having started one. But then he lost his second one, you know, and you have more experience going into the next one. You have less insecurity. But I think like I was thinking of him going into his third Super Bowl. He'd seen it from both sides. He'd seen it from multiple perspectives. He'd, you know, lost a receiver, gained a receiver, had all these movements. He played against Brady. He played against Kyle Shanahan. So the third Super Bowl, like, you know, I know he has that kind of confidence and that kind of swagger going into it. And so, yeah, like in my head, I knew I was going to take it two or three times, but being focused on honestly kind of having that Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl swagger, I was like, Mahomes, like Mahomes knows he's been there. Mahomes knows he's got it. And so I was right. just adopting that of like, you know, yeah, like, yeah, like I can worry about it and I continue to stress about it, but I can also have, you know, that like just it's, it's going to be a game. It's going to be a game. There's going to be four sections, four quarters, and I'm going to do what I got in front of me. I'm not going to get worried about Brady on the other side. I'm not going to be worried about Jimmy G or the Niners or what Shanahan scheming up. I'm going to be focused on me and my, well, my team just being, you know, me and my logic games, but being focused yeah. on what I task ahead. So like yeah. it, 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 it indirectly really helped me get that focus along with a lot of, you know, other kind of principles and mantras of the demon kind of sitting behind that. I 100% agree. I think acting like you've been there before and committing to that swagger, as you said, can really go a long way. Also, you are a football player yourself, right? So is this this is something, probably a mentality that you were able to practice on the gridiron and bring to other elements of your life, not just the LSAT, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what, that's, that, yeah, that's what I love about the demon. I mean, like everything, like just everything they're saying, it speaks to me so much as, as a football player, like even drilling, like, dr yeah, we, we drill, we, you know, we go through an entire season, but you don't stop doing indie. You don't stop doing individual work at the beginning of practice for five, 10 minutes. Like no matter how good you are, how good you've gotten, you're going to have to work on the basics. You're going to have to work on the fundamentals. And 
yeah, everybody wants to see the Odell Beckham one-handed catch while he's getting held, you know, falling into the end zone. But nobody watches Odell practicing his releases over and over and over again. Nobody watches Odell practicing one cut over and over and over again. So, um, and the demon preaches a lot about like basically like, you know, kind of quit complaining, quit worrying about where you are or where you're going to be and get back to work. The only way you get better is by working on it. Um, and drilling is exactly that, working on, you know, things that you're actually going to be doing on game day or LSAT day. Um, it's all about working and developing those skills and that mindset. So I, I, I love the demon cause it's a complete, it's, it's a completely different endeavor, the LSAT versus a football game, but, uh, the principles behind like growth and mentality just seem to hold constant. I love it. Totally. And recognizing that when you are doing that necessary work of, like you said, the just practicing release or practicing a route over and over that that is not something that you do one day and then you've got it. You have to keep working on it and that progress comes slowly, right? Because this is a skills test, not a knowledge test. You're building those skills slowly and it's a matter of commitment and just keep putting in that work. Um, I love that analogy. Also, if we want to extend this and we want to totally belabor this analogy, I imagine that your work, um, as a football player, so you're an NCAA athlete, your training would be a combination of those drills that you mentioned, um, in addition to probably more like game speed practice with the team that you're getting a combination of both the drilling and like actual game scenario, probably similar to untimed drilling and time sections in the demon, um, which we always recommend that you do a combination of both. You need both of that work to really improve your skills and to get used to the clock as you're um, doing your time sections. In your one to two hours a day when you are really drilling down on the LSAT, which is perfect, one to two hours of solid practice a day, maybe over the course of a week, what what did you find to be your balance of doing the different sections, doing drilling versus time sections? Like, how did you space that out and balance your study? I I honestly kind of treated it like a lot of how I treat my football and like my football development as well. Um, and one of the things I like about the Demon is I, they have the scores on the dashboard. And I know they say like, you know, to kind of not pay too much attention to them. And I didn't, but it's, they were nice because they can kind of give me an idea of, okay, I'm doing really well in logical reasoning. Oh, I'm not doing well in like logic games. So should probably be addressing that or something like that. So based on kind of, you know, what I was seeing on the dashboard, um, how I felt about my performance over the last, you know, a couple of time sections and where I was at on things, I just, I kind of looked at my game holistically a lot, like, okay, how am I doing in reasoning right now? How am I doing in reading comp? And I just, every day, week, I would just, go for the things that I felt like I needed to work on. Um, and like I spent two or three months predominantly working on logic games because I wasn't that good at logic games and, you know, learning how to diagram, learning how to translate everything into the rules and, and logic games, you can get minus zero on, like pretty much everybody can get minus zero on logic games. So I spent a lot of time on that one, but then I had like logical reasoning as a secondary focus and would keep in reading comp to keep myself fresh. And then, you know, you get better at one and then I have to look at my game holistically again, like, okay, where am I sitting now? Maybe I was for a while, I was worse at reading comp, but I kept practicing logical reasoning because 
Um, I felt like the principles translated over well. And um, after, you know, I just kind of kept picking the right things to keep working on. And I, th I think the best thing, the hardest thing, but the best thing was that I was real enough with myself um, when I was genuinely struggling with, you know, a, a, a section or, or struggling with questions. I think I did a good job not getting too, you know, uh, try, like trying to avoid the things that were difficult for me, um, really focusing on like the errors I made and really embracing the fact that I had to grow and to learn from these mistakes. Cause and, and I think I, because I, I had a pretty long time horizon for when I, I started studying September and I wasn't planning on taking my first attempt till February. Um, so I think kind of giving myself that space gave me a lot of ability to just be like, okay, let me just focus on the errors and not really worry about, you know, being good at stuff yet because I know I'm not good yet. That's exactly the mentality to have that growth mindset. Do you remember anything early on? You mentioned the games is where you put a lot of your effort in. Do you remember anything else early on that you struggled to grasp or what, what some of the early lessons were that you had to learn? I think, I think it's, it, um, it kind of reminds me, well, I'm going to go with another sports analogy, but it kind of reminds me of a quote by Johan Cruyff, which is um, playing, playing football is simple. Playing simple football is one of the hardest things ever. Um, and he's talking about soccer, of course, but it's kind of that where, Taking the scoring well on the LSAT is simple, but doing the LSAT in a simple way is just one of the hardest things ever. I mean, to really understand like what every word within every sentence means, there's like that level of dedicated like detail and focus on like consistently over every question. Like I enjoyed logical reasoning, but you know, it's like questions 16 through 18, 19 were kind of in this sweet spot where it's like fun for me. But then the first 10, I'm like worried because I know I can get them right. But if I, you know, just don't give it the respect that it deserves, I'm going to get the question wrong. So consistently being like locked in on every question and all, you know, understanding all five answers and, you know, not just that, oh, that, oh I think that one's wrong, but oh no, that one's genuinely wrong. I, I think, I think it's just one of those things where it's, it's simple, but doing, doing something simple at a high level is so hard. And once it kind of started to come together towards the end, when all of my sections started to be, you know, like minus two at worst, that's when I kind of started to, I could kind of step back and see the big picture and be like, oh, this is just simple, but man, it is so hard for, to do something simple at a high level. Right, because it's about being able to replicate that performance again and again and again. And like you said, not just on the ones that seem like they need your focus, but on every one. I had a baseball coach back in high school who his mantra was every play. Like if it seemed like we were, if he saw someone just kind of, you know, kicking the dirt in the infield and, you know, it's like second inning and it's a one and one count, you're like, nope. Every play you got to lock in just because it doesn't seem like a big moment doesn't mean it isn't. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's so big in football too. Like you, every play, every second of every play, you hear it all the time. I, our, our, I played on offense, but our defensive coordinator used to, he would spend like an exorbitant amount of time watching film, harping on his players to pursue the ball, maybe 50 yards away. The play is almost dead, but he's like, pursue the ball. You keep running until the play is over. And yeah, it's a, it's, yeah. it's a big part of that mentality. I guess on the LSAT, every play could mean every question 
or really even every sentence. Great. Um, well, you mentioned that you liked LR. Is there is there now a test, a section of the test that you enjoy the most, that you feel the most affinity for? And did that change over time? Yeah. I, oh, yeah, definitely changed over time. Um, logical reasoning came uh, uh, pretty naturally in the beginning. And so, and, but logical logic games was really hard. And reading comp, I never really uh, cared for. Um, and then I just spent so much time just working on logic games that once you start to put it together and you can see the diagrams and the worlds like working and you know it's there and you just have to find it, I found that game just so fun. And I mean, I still like, I, I mean, if you, I think, I think if you get great at the LSAT, you learn to love logic games in some way. Um, and I still find them so fun. And I, then once I got back to doing more logical reasoning and I started to slowly kind of master it again, uh, or started to master it, not master it again. Um, I started to fall in love with that one reading comp. I never really cared for Like you can, I, I don't know. It's like, sometimes I get a passage, I got like a passage about like tulips in Amsterdam. And it was interesting to me because it was about like <laughs> this weird, like economic niche about like the, the, the premiums of the tulip market. Yeah. The tulip speculation. Yep. Yeah. And they wrote about this one tulip that I then Googled and was like absolutely beautiful. So I was like, all right, well, that's a pretty cool LSAT uh, reading comp section. But then I got like some hard science some natural science stuff where they're talking about enzymes and biomes and plant cells breaking down. And I'm just like, once again, I'm trying to respect every sentence and that's why respecting every play and every question gets hard. Cause it's like, I don't want to read this right now. I don't want to pay attention, but forcing myself to do, you know, reading comp, but that one, it, you know, yeah. I got, I, I got better at it, but I never really loved it. Logic games I fell in love with and logical reasoning. I loved for a while. Got it. Yeah. Um, even today, like I was teaching a section, an RC passage in class, um, the other day where it was a struggle for me to commit myself to remaining focused just cause I didn't like the passage. Ironically, it was about something that I really like music, but it was written in a way that was just, I found to be insufferable and the LSAT doesn't care if you're interested or not, you have to focus. You, if you don't mind my bringing it up, um, you have another thing which, you know, that challenge of maintaining attention every single moment is slightly more difficult for you because you have ADHD, right? Um, if you're comfortable talking about that, maybe just share how that affected your journey, your progress on the LSAT and how it is that you dealt with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, definitely for something like reading comp, it really starts to affect you. Um, but I noticed it kind of, I, I found logic games to be like the most evident um, example of kind of how it was affecting my performance where, you know, once I got good at logic games and I knew I was, I was pretty much getting minus zero on every section, except like every, every like third time section I do, I would get, you know, not just like one wrong, but I would get like three or four wrong. And um and it was basically because, you know, I was I was going through the section, I was doing it well um, and knowledge wise, I had everything I needed. Um, but then, like, you know, in the second or third game, I just, you know, my mind would just kind of go elsewhere and, you know, kind of lose a minute or two on that. And not only, you know, what I lose, you know, a little bit of time doing that takes it also takes time to get my mind back to where it was not just focused on, you know, the section, but. I was like, wait, like, what was I drawing out? What were the diagrams? What was I looking at? That's, oh, right. That's what that rule means. 
So that would put me back a couple minutes. And then I was, you know, basically trying to play catch up, trying to play up to my standards. Um, and it, it spirals. And that's why, you know, you got to take it one question at a time. And so I was getting a couple wrong because of that. And so I think with ADHD, it's the tough thing about it when you're taking the LSAT is, um, you know, you get like five wrong in a section, but it's like, did I get five wrong? Cause I don't know. Or did I get five wrong? Cause I just had a you know focus issue. And so kind of parsing that out is the difficult part of it. Um, cause ADHD wouldn't have any, not shouldn't result in any knowledge gaps. Um, but it can result in, you know, just lapses of focus. So I think that's the big thing for anybody kind of, you know, studying with that or dealing with that is like, you can 100% know what's going on. And not only that, um, a lot of people with ADHD have the ability to like hyper-focus. And so like when I was doing logic games, like the sections where I kill it, you know, I, was able to maintain a state of hyper-focus, maybe not the entire time, but through the mo throughout, you know, most of the section. So you can, you will, you also have that ability at your disposal, but it's a little bit more taxing to be, you know, hyper-focused rather than just regularly, you know, regularly focused. But that state of hyper-focus is also a lot easier to get into when you know what you're doing. If you don't know, you can't enter it because you can't focus on things you don't know about. So if you start to enjoy it, if you start to know what you're doing, you can enter some you know, really productive stage uh, periods of studying or doing the LSAT. But um, kind of being aware of you know the pros, the cons, or the potential advantages, disadvantages that you could have, but also just knowing at the end of it, like, knowledge is what matters or the skills you have on the LSAT matters. Cause when you have the skills, you know, you can start to figure the other things out. You can get accommodations if necessary to, you know, get back a little bit of that time you lost. So yeah, that's kind of my perspective on it. Excellent. Well, thanks for sharing that. I just know that it is such a, um, it's so common. I, I, I know of so many students with ADHD and probably even more who don't know that they have it. And just knowing that there are people like you who, see it um as just something to deal with and that in the right circumstances can actually be a superpower for you and you got to 177 so it is certainly not a reason why you cannot do this test um great before we wrap things up i just wanted to ask if there's any anything else you would share with students who are on the grind right now or just thinking about starting the lsat Maybe I'll frame the question this way. If you could tell yourself all those months ago something that you know now about the LSAT, what would that thing be? I think there was one quote that kind of really stuck out to me uh, throughout the months I spent studying. And it was um, it was by, well, I mean, kind of a cliche guy to quote, but Abraham Lincoln had a quote where it's, if you give me a, if you give me four hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first three hours sharpening my ax and then I'd spend the next hour cutting down the tree. And that's something I thought a lot of as I was, I spent, you know, my time um, working abroad in Poland, just hanging out, listening to the demon and the podcast that, that, that entire time, I just kept thinking of it as this is me sharpening my ax. This is me sharpening my ax. And yeah, yeah. I haven't started swinging at the tree yet, but I'm sharpening my ax and, uh, you know, once it's time to start chopping, I know I'm going to be ready to start chopping. And that really helped me a lot because not only did I get my mindset right. And, you know, I, I didn't do, a, you know, I didn't really do any questions or time tests or sections. I was just listening, getting my mindset right, understanding what the test is about, understanding how to approach it and hearing their mentality. And then that sharpening that X helped me correct my own mistakes a lot better when I was studying because, I was able to understand, you know, I was able to understand, you know, the 
mistakes and tendencies and wrong benefit of doubt, we tend to give ourselves a lot better. So I was able to correct myself a lot better. And then um, once I actually took the exam in February, I thought of the quote in a whole different way where I was like, oh my God, I'd spent, now not only did I just spend like, you know, two months just listening to a podcast, sharpening my ax, but I've spent months now, you know, sharpening my ax on practice questions, tests, and uh, sections. So then, uh, you know, on game day, on yeah, the actual day, my ax was as sharp as it needed to be. I was able to chop down the tree. That's a great quote. As I think about it, I, it makes perfect sense for what you were saying on the macro level of over months of doing LSAT prep, sharpening your ax. I think it also works on a micro level within the test. We take a minute, two minutes to not rush through an LR passage, but to read it really closely to sharpen our understanding of that one passage before we go swinging at the questions. Same thing with the game. We sharpen our ax by building worlds by taking minutes on our setups before rushing into the questions. So excellent quote. I think that's really appropriate. Yeah. All that stuff about it's, you know, all about being process oriented and growth mindset and all that stuff. And somehow Abe Lincoln kind of boiled all that down into one nice quote about just chopping trees, you know, 150 years ago or whatever. So shout out to him just in case he needed my respect. <laughs> uh Oh yeah, sorry. Um, there, um, there, there is one more quote I like too. That um, it's uh, it's one by Lamar Jackson, and uh, he showed up to a press conference one day, and he just wore a sh shirt that said "Nobody cares, work harder." And that's another one I would think about too sometimes, because when you have, you know, sometimes you have a section where it's like, you, you know, you get minus seven, and you're like, like I'm better than that, like that's BS, or like, you know, oh, God, that sucks. But you know, at the end of the day, like nobody cares if you want to get better, work harder. So the LSAT doesn't care. The LSAC doesn't care. The, you know, the question doesn't care if you got it wrong, you got it wrong. Nobody cares. You want to get better, work harder. Excellent. All excellent stuff, Keon. You went from a 153 to a 177, a hell of an increase and a testament to the work that you put in and just your great attitude and how you approach this test. What's next for you? Um, yeah, well, I'll be figuring that out right now. Been taking some time off and enjoying the enjoying living in St. Paul and the Twin Cities and probably going to head back to Dubai um, where I grew up and work in hopefully sports data analytics for a year before going to law school as I'm working on applications right now, brainstorming that personal statement and have all the fun, exciting things to look ahead for. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on the pod. It's really been a pleasure chatting with you and do stay in touch. Let us know how things go. Uh, we want to hear all that's ahead for you. I'm sure you've got nothing but bright things in your future. Awesome. Thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure. Long time listener, big time fan. And man, I can't believe I'm actually in the show. That's crazy. You made it. Thanks again, Keon. Great having you. Email daily at lsatdemon.com to ask a question or share some LSAT or law school admissions related news. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.